welcome to Peak Curiosity. I'm Abigail. Today I have Christiana Richardson from episode two, and we talked about eating disorders. We went through her recovery, what someone could do if they know someone who might be struggling with disordered eating, and the culture's responsibility in these problems. So what I love about Christiana is that she's so free and open and humble. She's been through a lot in her life and I learn so much from her every time. She just doesn't take herself seriously and that is such an amazing quality that I admire greatly. Yes, I am. Well, and guess what we're going to talk about today? The super lighthearted topic of eating disorders. You know it. <laughs> super, uh, uh, super cool. Yeah. It's the best stuff. Um, so, so. <laughs> so when, when did you start with your eating disorder and which specific one are we talking? All right. So my eating disorder started out as, I would say, orthorexia. So that's definition I would believe is it's a disordered eating around kind of wanting to be perfect with everything that you eat so like mm. uh, not necessarily like starving yourself but only eating very specific foods and being very very particular about your diet to the point where it becomes disruptive to your daily life and I think I just kind of uh, took that on because um, I was very obsessive as a person in general Mm-hmm. And I liked the control it gave me. <laughs> and I think that's why a lot of people end up getting eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, they like that control. Um, but yeah, and then that kind of uh, went into anorexia nervosa, uh, which is, of course, um, refusing to maintain a BMI that's healthy. And that kind of started around age, I want to say around age 13, age 14. Um, age 14 is when I really, really became very ill. And then like most people with eating disorders, I like recovered for a while and then relapsed and recovered and relapsed. And like most people might not be able to notice that unless you're like really paying attention to someone's weight. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like definitely a lot of people notice with me though, just because mine was pretty dramatic. (laughs) Um, but when we met, I think you were 14, right? Mm -hmm. Right about. Yeah. And I believe I was at a pretty decent healthy weight then. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was pretty good. I definitely had some disordered eating habits, but I was pretty hoppy with myself. And then after my first ever boyfriend and I broke up, that's when it got like bad. And then, yeah, kind of just downward spiraled for a while there. And then I was sitting in the car outside the gym and my mom was like, hey, do you need a snack before you go in? And I'm like, no, I'm good. And she's like, oh, no, I think you may need a snack. And I'm like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm fine. She's like, if you don't eat that cheese stick, <laughs> then we're going to drive home. And then I'm just like, oh, and I just start burst out crying. So oh, no. that's, it's so funny, like, to think about that, you know. Hmm. Like, so what, what foods were you avoiding? So let's see. I'm trying to remember now. It was a very long time ago when I first, I definitely avoided, like, I just have to mention that we're having this conversation and I'm stuffing my face <laughs> with oatmeal cookies. <laughs> yeah, she's straight up eating mm-hmm. cookies like it's hot. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> basically, at first I didn't really avoid any foods in general, but then I started really avoiding cheese and anything with like a lot of fat in it. So I would avoid peanut butter, cheese, milk, um, any kind of dairy. I would start to avoid bread, so I would just eat, like, very simple foods, like mm. like beans and rice and salad and things like that. But, yeah, that's kind of pretty much how yeah. I went. Was there anything external in your life that was also driving this? Um, yes and no. I feel like I definitely would have developed an eating disorder regardless of what had happened in my life. Um, just because from what I understand of it, it actually is very genetic and it's very influenced by who your parents are. Like you can take someone who's a twin of another person and their parent 
had an eating disorder growing up and both of them will have an eating disorder, even though one of them maybe lives in another country and has never met their parent. Um, and the other twin lives with their parents. So it's very interesting. That's shocking. Yeah. Do they know why? Um, they don't know why. It's very odd to me. There's some people that kind of get very woo-woo about it and they think like it has something to do with like ancestral memory or something like that. And then other people think it's, it's like behavioral memory and that your, your mm-hmm. genetics interpret that as like a way to live your life. And then your kid gets born that way. I don't know. That's fascinating. I have never heard that before. Yeah, it is really interesting. Yeah. But um, yeah, my mom did have an eating disorder, not when I was growing up, but when she was a lot younger, when she was having like my older siblings. Um, so this was like 20 years before I was born. She dealt with binging and purging quite a bit. So she mm-hmm. had um, pretty bad like binging slash purging eating type disorder. I wouldn't necessarily call it like super intense because she got over it pretty quickly. She like Mm. kind of kept it together, but like she always maintained a healthy body weight in other words. And then I definitely think just any big stressor will start to trigger that eating disorder behavior in someone who has a predisposition to be that way. So Mm. like I think a big one is not being close with your father. Another one is, is like some sort of traumatic experience in your life or something like that. So, you know, accumulation of those two things is definitely what happened to me. And that's kind of why I decided to start seeking out external ways I could have control over my life and Mm -hmm. myself. And that's what eating disorders are. Yeah. Was it even that conscious? You were like, I need pain that I can be in charge of. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, it definitely wasn't. I think I just was attracted to it because it was just so satisfying to have control over something and Mm -hmm. to see something change. And so that's kind of what it was partially. And then um, a lot of it's kind of like the mindset of I'll be happy when. So you're like, oh, I'll be happy when I'm at this certain weight. Like I'll be happy when I'm at like 95 pounds or something crazy. What was the lowest weight that you've ever been well since you were your full height at six foot are you right. six even um I am almost I'm a little bit over six foot now I'll say six one just because I started doing a lot of posture correcting and so now I'm a little bit over six foot but that's absurd I know it's it's not okay it's kind of it's kind <laughs> it's of excessive it's just really in your face for everyone else like whoa tall chick <laughs> yeah sure yeah. <laughs> So, anyway, what was your lowest weight that you know of? Oh, okay. Let's see here. Well, back when I was not at my full height, my lowest weight was like 110 to 115. But I think I was only like 5'10", 5'11". And then at my full height, my lowest weight was like 120. So, it's it's pretty low. It's a low one. That's really bad. Yeah. Look. (laughs) Look, I'm 5'2", and since I've been 5'2", the lowest I ever weighed was 110. Damn. So let's just... Let's just put that in perspective. Okay, so Um, how many calories were you eating? Oh, geez. The weird part is, is that, like, my eating disorder was not super controlled, like how a lot of people's are. I've noticed some people who have anorexia nervosa, they, like, track all their calories and all their macros, I did none of that. Literally, all I did was I would journal my food and I would like write, ate one cheese stick or like, wow, ate like a banana and a tablespoon of peanut butter or something. And so I think roughly every day I was eating about 300 to 400 calories. (laughs) That's absurd. Yeah, it was crazy. Were you having trouble like mentally keeping up? I definitely was like, I think my brain was just like working overtime to make sure like I seemed normal and like I was actually functioning. Right. And so like, you know, I'd go to like basketball practice or something and be like, what? Like I like literally was so stupid. You were a little spacey. Yeah. I was super spacey. (laughs) And like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, it just cracks me up. I remember like when we were doing a drill one time and like, I was so spacey and zoned out that like, I thought I was, it was my time to like run forward And, like, I started to run forward and, like, 
our teammate Sherry Joe just like grabs me around the waist and like pulls me back. I think I remember this <laughs> yeah. exact moment. And I was like, it was so shocking to me because like she was like so strong. Like, <laughs> like she felt like this overwhelming force of just like, and I was like, whoa. She is boss. <laughs> so did you actually feel like you were in control of your life? Or did it feel worse? Uh, it honestly, it felt like I had control, I would say, because like, I just became so selfish and so consumed with like myself hmm. and what I was doing that like, I literally did not care about anyone else. And that kind of sounds harsh to say, because I think a lot of people who've had eating disorders, they kind of like, talk about it as like a woe is me type of attitude. But the way that I helped... Um, that helped me get over it and that kind of helped me cope with the fact that I did that for so long was realizing how selfish it was Um, I just remember like getting to a point where I you know you get that come to Jesus moment where you look in the mirror and you're like never again Christy and Mm -hmm. I was like what is the reason why that you did what you did and I was just like oh because I didn't care about anyone else like Hmm. if I really had been selfish then I wouldn't have cared what my actions had like the effect it had on other people because really being super skinny doesn't really hurt other people directly but it hurts their relationship with you and it really hurts like the whole ecosystem of influence that you have and I was yeah I was just like no that that doesn't seem right it's not good to be that kind of person I'm literally, like, taking away someone that could be a good person in the society because I hate myself. Like, no. (laughs) That's not okay. Yikes. So, how long was this going on before you thought, hmm, I wonder if this is a problem? Um, oh, I think I always knew it was a problem. Like, I think there's some people, well, I don't know. Specifically with anorexia nervosa, I think most people know it's unhealthy and they know it's wrong, but um, they just don't really care. And I was kind of in that boat. I was like Mm -hmm. very much um, just like, you know what, like I can be super skinny and live to like 56 and then I'll die a slow, painful death. Of <laughs> but failure. I'll be skinny. But I'll be oh, freaking waspy as heck. <laughs> I'll look super good. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. It's it's funny. And then um, I guess another big thing that helped me a lot was getting back into fitness. Just for the reason of like fitness goals not related to how I looked. Especially when you're recovering. Because when you decide to be eating a normal amount of calories... Your body gets super puffy, right? Mm -hmm. You put on a bunch of water weight. So not only are you gaining fat, which is good, obviously, but you're also gaining a ton of water, which makes you feel crappy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just look like Jigglypuff. (laughs) So. Yeah, that's rough. It's a rough recovery. Would you... Some people like to call eating disorders an addiction. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? Yeah, I would say it's an addiction. I'd say it's the closest thing to an addiction I've ever had. But it's not like an addiction where you have a high. It's more of just like an obsession addiction, mm-hmm. you know. Was it compulsive? Like if, if uh, I don't know, your mom got snippy at you, mm-hmm. would you like not eat? Oh, uh, not hugely compulsive. I would say now at this point in my life, it's more compulsive than it was back when um, when I was intentionally doing it. I would say just because I was very meticulous with the way I controlled the, my food intake, it wasn't um, it wasn't very compulsive just because like I wouldn't change my behavior based on what was going on. Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. So there's this guy. I know that guys have eating disorders, but it's probably a lot less common. Mm-hmm. And it probably is more of a binging type or like crazy need to be super cut so you can see all the muscles type yes and there's this guy named jamie alderton i listened to a podcast with him Mm -hmm. he was on the cover of men's health and i'm showing christy a picture right now he said that he would go and buy cake at the grocery store and just smell it that is and he wouldn't put it in his mouth he would just smell his cake (sighs) and then give it to somebody else (laughs) 
Did you ever just get food to smell it? Were you that extreme? I I would do this, which is super gross. I would put the food in my mouth and I would like slosh it around and then I would spit it out in the toilet. Yeah. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it was really gross, but like it was satisfying. I don't know why. It was like I wanted to taste it, but like I knew I didn't want to eat it. I don't know. Hmm. It's So I kind of get that aspect of it i would also smell food yes um but i wouldn't go to the store and buy it and smell it and throw it away that's or give it away that's weird that's, that's a little much <laughs> that makes sense he probably lives alone he doesn't have family he has eats. a wife now oh, he does. yeah oh. he's he's kind of adjusted that's good but he started in the military so he had, was naturally in a pretty fit and disciplined type and mm-hmm. then he started getting into like shows Oh. bodybuilding shows and then it spiraled but then he just said it was so unhealthy because so many hours of his day were spent looking in the mirror and checking Dang. every muscle and things like that it's not ideal he'd be wild catting about that that's it's a bit much yeah was it physically unhealthy for him like did he ever do anything to abuse his body or was it just mostly just the obsessiveness that kind of made him stop yeah, it was most of the obsessiveness because guys can get pretty low body weight before things go right, wrong. Right, yeah. I would and say... he would just get that cut for like a photo shoot or a body show mm-hmm. and then bulk up just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that some guys can get down to 7% and be fine. Um, some guys are naturally at 7%. And then other guys need to be closer to like 11 to be healthy. So it just kind of depends upon the person, I feel like. Like, if I was at 11% or you were at 11%, that would be horrifying. We'd be gaunt. Yeah, we would be straight, straight terrifying. Um, but, you know, apparently that's not the same for guys. So did you have a pendulum swing to binge, binging? I did, yes. Yeah. Because uh, when I started recovering, it would always just be during recovering parts of mm. my eating disorder. And... Uh, and that's just because, you know, you're so hungry. And so when you start eating, you can't stop because your body's just like screaming at you to keep eating. Mm-hmm. And that is almost one of the biggest points of why a lot of people with anorexia don't recover is because they know they're going to go through a binge cycle, mm-hmm. which is going to make them feel awful and super like um, lethargic and not be able to like move basically. Um, and so... I a couple times would go through binge purge cycles where I would decide that I was going to recover and I would start eating late at night and I'm like, this is my first recovery meal and it would be like 2000 calories. Like I would just keep eating until I was so full that like I was vomiting. Oof. Ugh, it was so gross. Yeah. And so then I would go and purge it because like you're literally so uncomfortable that you can't even move. Like you're like a little log person. <laughs> like you're like uh I used to think of it as like a little fat rat because like you have skinny arms and legs and you got this big oh old belly. Word. It was so That's nasty. Yeah, it was really nasty. It's just funny that I can talk about this and laugh about it because it's like so far removed from who I am now that yeah. I'm just like, oh, okay. Whatever. That kid was funny. So are you you're twenty two now? Yeah. And when was most when was this quote unquote recovery this taking was place? Like back when I was like 14 and a half, maybe 15. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so two things. Question number one, we need to talk about the recovery. And then we need to talk about the binging. I feel like I had a hand in the binging. Uh Uh-huh. Because listeners. (laughs) What? One day in the bathroom before a basketball game, my favorite candy in the whole world was Sour Patch Watermelons. Still is. And I pinned Christiana <laughs> down. <laughs> and I made her eat a piece. Because she said, like, she'd never had a candy before. I was like, you're going to freaking have a candy. <laughs> oh, man. But then one time you told me that those were one of your binging foods, those candies. Well, actually, you're actually fine on that, though. Oh, because, okay. Because, um... Like, I'd never really binged on them. Like, I would say now that I'm at a healthy weight and I'm okay with eating candy, I'll eat a bag. And I wouldn't call that a binge. I just, that's just a snack, you know. But, uh. You're talking like one of the little bags that you would get at a gas station? Right. Like the little snack packs. Yeah. Oh, little... That would be a binge for me. <clears throat> oh, really? I would consider that oh, a binge. Oh. But that's me. 
Yeah. I mean, it's always different for every person. And and like, if you feel like you're binging, like you feel that out of control sensation while you're eating, then I would define that as a binge. Even if you don't eat to being uncomfortable, it's just kind of what it does to you mentally, you know? So that makes sense. Okay. So let's talk recovery. What, what is the pathway of recovery? Cause what's really tricky about food is you still have to eat it. Yeah. It's not like exactly. alcohol where you say, I guess I just don't go to bars anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's hard for me to, I guess, tell people that there's a specific way to recover because it's different for everyone. Like for me, I just went straight back to eating a normal amount of food. Hmm. And um, it was really, really hellish just because my body wasn't prepared for that. And so like I was kind of like sleeping a lot and couldn't really do much and was very like quote unquote sick hmm. because I couldn't really go anywhere or do anything when you do that, your body is like, it's burning a ton of calories because it's not used to digesting that amount of food, but it's also trying to store it in a ton of calories. So it's just exhausted, basically. So that's kind of what happens, I guess. Uh, And mentally, um, when you're trying to recover, I guess a good mindset to have is to just have peace, peace with food. Um, I kept telling myself that the entire time and just constantly praying. I mean, if you're a person who doesn't have a faith, I guess meditating on that. But if you are a person who has a faith, I would definitely recommend just asking God to help you have peace with food. And I just kept remembering, like, it would just be so amazing if one day I could just eat something and not think about the calories in it or not think about how it's going to affect me. Just eat a piece of food and enjoy it and move on. And I really do believe that prayer was answered because I, I really feel that way now. You know, I don't, I don't track anymore. I don't stress anymore about food and I'm able to have a healthy mindset about it. But, um, that was really not my doing at all because I couldn't have done that on my own. I think if you try to take something, you'll never really truly have it. So I had to let it go so that it could be given back to me so I could have that peace, right? Yeah, I guess that's kind of how I recovered. So other people have said that they just, um, they just always still struggle with it. They always have that voice in the back of their head that says like, you should stop eating right now or like, Um, you know, wouldn't it be great to like, just go purge this or just, they always have that little demon in the back of their head telling them Mm. and they live with that for the rest of their life. So those people still define themselves as having an eating disorder because, um, it never truly leaves them. I would define myself as no longer having an eating disorder, but I would define myself as having just tendencies to undereat. There are definitely long-term effects of recovery of having an eating disorder physically, not even necessarily mentally or emotionally. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Um, so if you've ever had a meal with me, you'll notice that like right after I eat the meal, my stomach growls like a lot, which is very odd because like your stomach usually growls when it's empty. But I just, it's very odd. I think it's really common with a lot of people who've had eating disorders. Their intestinal tract just like digests extremely loudly so you can hear like all the fluids like rushing down through my my stomach and everything it's just like like it's weird Um, so there's that so like yeah that's a little bit awkward but it's not painful or uncomfortable Mm -hmm. another one is is just having generalized low appetite and for people who've had anorexia some people will have extreme extreme anorexia way worse than I had it and they'll actually get to a point where they're pretty overweight, actually, and they'll maintain that for the rest of their life. Other people will end up like me, where like I have a very hard time consuming enough calories in a day, and any amount of change in my life will cause me to stress under eat. So mm. it just kind of depends upon like maybe your temperament and also the reasons why you just start started having an eating disorder, if it was largely genetic or largely situational. Mm-hmm. Do you have you figured out the the secret of intuitive eating? I feel like I have, and that sounds kind of like I don't know what to call it. Like I'm not cocky about it. Like I'm not like oh yeah. Like I just I just never you know overeat or I never feel bad about what I'm eating. 
But I just really believe that's because God gave me that blessing. He blessed mm. me with that because because I truly needed it. And I definitely think, like, I'll tell people if I'm counseling them in nutrition um, to pray about it if they have a faith, just because I think it really does help and it helped me a lot. Even if it's not like a crazy deep eating disorder, even if it's just like, you know what, God, like, I just want to honor you with what I eat. And not by meaning like, oh, I only ever eat healthy or like I only ever, you know, eat a certain way. Honoring God with what you eat to me um, means eating with a thankful heart and not with a gluttonous heart, eating with like a a temperament of um, just joyfulness and thankfulness and relaxation because food is a pleasure. It should be something that we enjoy. And so I just think it's, um, it's just really a blessing to be able to be at that point with food. Definitely. Definitely. I know that you've mentioned that you've had a therapist in the past Mm -hmm. was did did you work with her with this or was it unrelated? With the therapist, oh geez, because I was dealing with some abuse when I was younger, it mainly focused on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did mention eating disorders a little bit. At the time, I was fully recovered. Um, since I've been to her, um, I had been recovered for about, oh, I would say four months. And then after going to her, I've been recovered ever since, so that's good. And I think just dealing with the root issues of why I was feeling out of control and afraid and needed control in my life helped me way more than even going to a specialist would have because the specialist definitely would have understood my eating disorder and the reasons why I was doing what I was doing. Um, But they might not have addressed the root issue the way Mm -hmm. she did. Um, So it was just really great. You know, counseling is awesome for everyone just to... To find out what you're um, you're pushing away and what you're avoiding, right? So for sure. So there's a song by Florence and the Machine. Have you heard of her? Yes. Okay. So this song's called Hunger, and I remember where I was when I heard this song for the first time because it just like smacked me across the face with just some authenticity I'd never heard before. So the opening lines are. At 17, I started to starve myself. I thought love was a kind of emptiness. And at least I understood the hunger I felt, and I wouldn't have to call it loneliness. Dang. That's pretty good. It's a pretty good song. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the the eating disorder culture I think we sometimes created around it. Um, A lot of people have developed eating disorders because of social media. Um, and I think we assume that it's like the bikini pictures of Sports Illustrated or like, um, different models and things like that. Um, and to some extent it is, but then there's also like a very deep subculture that you have to go through to find specific hashtags and specific areas of social media that will show you the true, the true, I guess, aesthetic and like, um, culture around eating disorders. Once you get there, you realize it's really, really dark and really, really, um, kind of disgusting. (laughs) Honestly, like if you look at it, you're like, people actually like obsess over this. It's super weird. I mean, I'm not on social media anymore, but Instagram had like a ton of, of that going on to the point where people, I think that even didn't have a predisposition to getting an eating disorder developed them because of the glorification of being incredibly thin like they thought that it would make them happy interesting so this was actually one of my questions um is do you think the culture pushes eating disorders or not now my opinion is that kind of yes but mostly no because i can't imagine that an eating disorder the idea of it is new Mm -hmm. since for most people the root cause is a grasping at control mechanism and that is not new no but we blame social media but would you say it's like seeing the what is it in social media specifically that you're talking about i'm not quite following so there's i would say that there's specific pages you can follow and it's like thinspiration or um things like that and um 
certain hashtags you can go to. And basically, it's just like highly edited photos of women to make them look like they're stick figures. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and for some reason, people find that like attractive. And I, I wouldn't say people as in like people want to like date that or be around that it's like women influencing other women yeah to desire to look like that mm-hmm. um and it's just very few men are in that around that kind of whatever that is um like you said it's very rare for men to have eating disorders not that it's completely unheard of but they tend to have like bigorexia or like cutorexia basically where they want to be buff but also like very low body fat yeah did you just make up those words no oh <laughs> <laughs> um i may have made up cutorexia but bigorexia is a thing um it's just like interesting you see guys in the gym they're just obsessed with being like the biggest person there that's yeah like what that is so one thing that's interesting for sure is if the if you look up did you hear my voice change when i moved uh-uh i don't know where this microphone <laughs> wants me okay when you look at old photos of statues of women like ancient goddesses and stuff yeah i feel like they would be thought of as overweight like today. which ones like, like the greek ones almost the... any of them i mean but compared to models and stuff nowadays i would say yeah t- kind of the older like look at this stuff. lady still pretty lady yeah she's probably around like 30 percent body fat yeah. which is totally healthy for a woman i mean yeah it's kind of like one of those things from what I've noticed, though, it's more woman-on-woman influence than I think we realize it is. Because men aren't... Not all men, I should say, are super attracted to very thin women. Like, it's not really something you're like, oh, wow, like, she's really attractive because she's, like, incredibly emaciated. That's not really... <laughs> like, that doesn't... <laughs> if you're a normal guy, that doesn't really go through your mind, right? It's more of like a hip to waist ratio, like mm-hmm. attraction. So like if you have a generally a smaller waist to hip ratio, you're fine. You're going to find a guy that's going to be like, oh, oh, oh like, you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I would just say that like, yeah, that's why I think the Brazilian butt lift is like the most popular surgery, like plastic surgery in the world. Because it takes fat from your stomach and injects it into your butt. No way. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on while I Google this. Brazilian but, butt lift? Yeah, that's what it's called. I need Jamie. Jamie, pull that up. <laughs> do you listen to the Joe Rogan experience? I do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. I think, it, I think it's still the most popular one in the world. It was last yeah, year. Yeah, that's pretty shocking. Some of these before and after. I know. It's pretty crazy, but... It's pretty invasive for sure. Hmm. Um, liposuction is super painful. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I think we're starting to go away from like that culture of being uber thin, like the Victoria's Secret fashion show. They're not doing it anymore. So that's cool. Oh, they aren't? Um, well, that's they, good news on multiple I levels. I know, on multiple <laughs> levels. I'm like, that really didn't need to be happening anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> like, So this brings up an interesting point. Like what are we going to do about the stupid health of every size? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the thing. Like, I feel like health at every size was always just targeted towards, like, people who were bigger. And, like, it was never like, oh, yeah, if you're really skinny, you're healthy, too. Like, that was never a thing. No. Um, so, I'm like, <laughs> so where's the cognitive, like, dissonance there? Like, where's the disconnect? Like, oh, it's it's just funny. But, like. I definitely think I've gotten a lot of, like, body shaming at the gym because I think people think it's funny. You have personally? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, people being like, oh, Christy's a stick or, like, Christy's, like, super skinny. She has no muscles. And I think they think it's funny. And honestly, like, I don't care at all. I think it's funny, too. Uh, (laughs) Like, like I'm like, yeah, look at these freaking guns, you know. But, um, But, you know, like, if you're... If you're self-conscious about something people can kind of tell and they won't make fun of it I'm not really self-conscious about the fact that I have very small muscles <laughs> so if someone makes fun of me I'm like haha got me there champ you know yeah but it's just funny because like you don't realize how much um 
your view of yourself is skewed until you have a healthy mindset around your body shape and size. Like seven years ago, I would have thought that I was like fat, but now I'm like, oh, I'm actually need to keep gaining weight. Like, Mm -hmm. so it's really weird to have a healthy body image. You're like, oh, huh, weird. Yeah. I think the health at every size is so dumb. Yeah. Did you see recently? It was a health magazine or whatever, Mm -hmm. and it had this pretty like definitely obese woman on the cover and they were like health at every size oh my goodness And you're just like no if you actually look at it hurts your knees Mm -hmm. just in no way is that healthy whatsoever right and and the same thing you could say with like like if someone's incredibly overweight or if they're incredibly emaciated odds are both of them are gonna actually live a pretty decently long life you know i think a lot of people used to freak out about like um anorexic people and be like oh yeah they're gonna die of kidney failures like actually most anorexic people live into their 50s and 60s so like yeah they might not live quite as long but they're still gonna live pretty long same thing with people who tend to be overweight Mm -hmm. they might die of a heart attack but they'll still make it into their 50s 60s 70s um the really the big issue is i guess quality of life right sure we want people to be living their best life that sounds really cheesy. I shouldn't have that said it. It like also sounds that. like Joel Osteen. Yeah, some Joel Osteen business. Uh-uh, <laughs> prosperity gospel. Um, but I don't know, you know? Yeah. So, say somebody is listening here. Yeah. And they have a kid that maybe they're a little worried about. Mm-hmm. What are some signs that they should be looking for in mm-hmm. their children? And then you being a child. What would you have actually appreciated your parents to say or do? Let's see. That wouldn't have pushed you further into a corner. Right. Um, that's a good question. So I guess warning signs for parents is hard because a lot of times kids that develop eating disorders, the reason why they do is because they're wanting attention. Mm. Um, so I guess the best thing I could say is ask them good questions. Um, like... Instead of just asking them, like, are you okay? Asking them, like, did anything happen to you that you want to talk about? Or is there anything going on that you is weighing on you? Asking them questions like that because eventually you're going to get to a breaking point where your child needs to to talk about something that they're mulling over, right? They're talking, mm-hmm. they need to release whatever's happening to them or go. So that is good. And then also, like, for me, my parents, it was more of, like, I knew that my parents couldn't really do anything about my situation because they were emotionally incapable of doing it. Mm. And I'd reached out to them before and they had kind of let me down. So at that point, I was kind of just self-destruct mode. I was just like, oh, no one cares about me. I'm just going to do this because um, because there's nowhere to turn, right? Mm-hmm. And as a kid, you don't really see a way out of a situation because you're like, oh, there's no other adults other than my primary. Um, I'm spacing on the word, but the people that have caregivers, like, you're my primary caregivers. Yeah. That can help me. Right. There's no yeah. like other person. And so you, you're kind of uh, your temperament is there. So you're like, oh, well then there's nowhere else to turn. So then I'll just internalize it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what happens to a lot of kids. I think when they, they feel cornered, they're like, oh, well, I guess I'll just, internalize it and then hurt myself right I mean most situations when kids are developing that the issue is generally the home life and so it's hard for me to give people pointers on that because because the person who would be listening to that would probably be like oh there's no problem (laughs) you know or you know because in my situation the best course of action would be to have forcibly removed me from that situation like just taken Mm -hmm. me away from that home but you know mm-hmm. what can you do yeah so i've been in chats with this girl who will remain anonymous i don't even know her real name oh she is she has an interesting story let's see if i can summarize it okay she was trying to transition start the the i don't know the right words but she was wanting to be a boy okay okay Gotcha. And she couldn't because she didn't have insurance to oh, pay for it. Okay. And I was like, oh, thank God for bad insurance, finally. <laughs> <laughs> but 
she ended up going to a therapist and just mm-hmm. through cognitive behavioral therapy, she was able to get her symptoms into a manageable state. Hmm. And she started to kind of accept who she is. And a lot of, I was texting her today in preparation for this. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what drives that gender dysmorphia is just hate of your own body. Yep. So I was asking her, will you also see eating disorders? And she said, oh, yeah, because if you're really thin as a woman, you won't have hips or boobs. And yep. so, I mean, to look out for eating disorders, they can be a symptom of so many things. Yeah. You should watch out for them. And yeah. you don't know what's going on. I would definitely recommend approaching with some gentleness. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that's the thing. I think a lot of people assume that eating disorders are all about vanity and that you're mm-hmm. wanting to like show off your body. No, it's self-loathing oh, for sure. all the way. Yeah. Because when I had my eating disorder, I covered up more. I wore big old sweaters and big um, sweatpants and stuff like that because I wanted to hide myself even more. Interesting. Um, and it was comfortable like that because I was just like, there was no, like you said, I hated my body so much that I didn't want to look like a woman and I didn't want to feel like a woman in any way either. So it, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a self hate for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Maybe that's why I wear baggy clothes. <laughs> do you hate yourself? Is there something you're not telling me? I do kind of hate myself. But... Oh, that, that got dark real quick. <laughs> Um, um, what would you say to an adult who might be having an eating disorder with adults it's hard because you know as we get older we become so ingrained in our behavior with an adult I feel like you can be more direct because generally if they're no longer in the situation which triggered their eating disorder then you can be even more direct because now their eating disorder is just kind of a symptom of their self hate right in their pain mm-hmm. you could be like you just start asking them questions you know i would never assume anything but always just ask good questions right mm-hmm. like how long have you felt this way do you ever feel like you could change that's a good question because some people will say no mm. and they never want to change and that's and that's okay because they're adults and they, they can make their own decisions, right? Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine it would be difficult on a spouse. For sure. Because you, yeah. you, you're just trying to show them that you love them and they just are never believing it. Yeah, that's true. Oh my goodness. The longer I talk, the more I sound like me. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Like I me. have an eating disorder. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we all have some disordered mm-hmm. eating. Yeah. For sure. Like, uh, I had someone come up to me in the gym the other day and open up to me about, um, what sounded to me like in a binge eating disorder. That's interesting. Tell me more. Yeah. So, so this person just randomly walked up and was like, you're a person I can smell my guts too. <laughs> no, he's a, he's just a regular at the gym and mm. he's an older guy and, um, not like crazy overweight or anything, but you know, he's got a little bit of a gut on him, you know? Yeah. And he just was telling me, like, yeah, I just had my birthday. I was like, oh, nice, man. Like, that's cool. He's like, yeah. I was like, how'd you spend it? And he told me, uh, he's like, well, I just spent it alone. I'm like, okay, this is going to get depressing. Uh, And then he (laughs) told me he ate an entire cake. And then he had, like, a big pizza and then another pizza. And then he went to the store and bought another cake and ate half of that one. Oh, my God. And then he went to the gas station and bought, like, six Kit Kat bars and ate all six of them. Yeah. Oh, this poor man. (sighs) Yeah. And I'm like, I don't even want to know how in what course of time that that happened. Probably, like, an hour and a half. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, just listening to him made me feel so sad because, like, I've been there. Like, when I was just, like, so hungry and just trying to fill a void. And I was like, hey, man, like, it sounds like you've got some disordered eating going on. And I've, I've definitely been there. You know, I used to have an eating disorder, but, um, uh, and I, you know, we just had a conversation, just kind of a little bit of a heart to heart, but he, um, yeah, I definitely told him like, Hey, you know, what's helped me quite a bit is the 80, 20 rule. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I try to, um, have peace with food. So 
if 80% of what I'm eating is healthy and 20% isn't, that's okay because I know that I'm still in a better trajectory than I would be if I was just not caring at all about what I ate, right? And, you know, I, hopefully that helped him. It's hard for me to give advice just because, like, you never know how people are going to take it. Um, but, you know, because he, he was telling me, like, he would restrict and restrict and restrict. And then he'd start losing weight and he'd feel really good for, like, about a month. And then mm. a holiday would come up or something like that that would trigger it and he would just start binging. And so, and that's pretty common with binge eating disorders. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was just like, hey, stick in there, man. Give you some hope. What can you do? Like, do you know anyone in your life that you've known that's had an eating disorder? Yeah. Two people in particular. Mm -hmm. One is because of parental problems. Mm. Another is parental problems. (laughs) (laughs) Weird how that is. Yeah. And I mean, one in particular that I'm thinking, she was pretty young and her parents were in a separation period. Mm-hmm. and she just like her entire life was chaos she ended up moving just everything in her life was upended and mm-hmm. she yeah it was pretty bad Dang. pretty bad so just like totally fell out of control probably mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think like she was pretty near suicidal too it yeah. was not ideal dang yeah that sucks yeah i definitely it's hard for me to say because i've it's hard for me to tell if someone has an eating disorder unless they actually say something to me. You can definitely infer, right? Because some people are just like, it's almost very obvious. Yeah. Um, other people might have a health condition that you don't know about, right? And sure. then they're just really thin because of that. So I try not to assume, but I've definitely met some people that I'm like, hey, how you going? How you, how's it going, man? Like, mm-hmm. uh, how you feeling? Um, yeah, what do you think about me? What do you think about you? Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, definitely suicidal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, you can always tell, like, if someone has um, really severe uh, purging habit because they'll definitely have scarring on their knuckles. Uh, generally, their first two fingers, so their pointing finger and their middle finger. And then a lot of times... How? So when they shove their fingers down their throat, their teeth scrape on the upper knuckles. Yeah. So it's kind of... I wish I hadn't asked. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty gross. Interesting. Um, And then their their gag reflex starts to go away, so they have to shove their fingers deeper and deeper into their throat to get themselves to throw up. (laughs) Um, I should not have asked. Yeah. That one's pretty gross. Okay, so scars on fingers. Scars on fingers. Um, kind of like a grayish tone to their skin. You know, like you can kind of tell if someone's like not healthy because they have a grayish tone. Another one is looking very thin but always eating a lot in front of other people. That's super common because a lot of times they will eat their only meal in the day around other people. Mm-hmm. So that other people believe that they're just skinny but they eat a lot, right? Another really common one is going right to the bathroom halfway through a meal or at the end of a meal, like clockwork, yep. always having to go to the bathroom. Another super common one is like, obviously, they always carry a toothbrush and toothpaste everywhere they go, which is kind of weird. <laughs> some <laughs> um, some uh, people do that. Yeah. yeah, those are some good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still have moments where you're like, I shouldn't eat today? Um. I definitely don't have moments where, like, I feel like I shouldn't eat, but I definitely have moments where I look in the mirror and I'm like, okay, like, there's some cellulite there. And I'm like, that's okay. Like, that's good. I'm an attractive human. And then, (laughs) and then, like, generally I'll look in the mirror and I'll, like, (laughs) I'll laugh because, like, I don't know, like... I do dumb poses in the mirror (laughs) a lot because like I just try to not take myself too seriously because if I do, then I'll start to obsess. Right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think there, I start to feel satisfied. Like if I haven't eaten a lot in the day, which is weird, like I'll feel like, oh, I feel really good because like my stomach is empty Hmm. and I still have energy. Um, And I think that's just kind of a little bit of 
my old eating disorder self being like, oh yeah, like it's good to feel hungry. But I'm glad that I never feel guilty after eating anymore. That's super good. Thank you for being so open. Yeah. That was I fun. know it was very enlightening for me. And hopefully for the people who listen, it will also have been enlightening. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Um, stay safe, kids. Buckle up. And um, don't catch the Rona. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> How does it feel to be living in a time of history that will be remembered in the NFL? Um, pretty normal, but oddly normal. Like, I I don't know. Like, I, I have a cognitive dissonance with this whole situation. Like, I know that there's historical things happening, but it's just all going straight over my head. I think I'm just too self-absorbed. so yeah my grandkids will be like oh so like remember those four years when we had rona and i'll be like no not really i was i was like just doing my own thing i was busy yeah i sure hope that's how it is yeah i've been thinking about a lot i don't know if i like living in a really big historical time it's not the best people are kind of negative yeah I feel like I need to journal so I can remember it in future generations who might care because I'm an egotist. Oh, they yes. They might want to know what I think. Good, good. Yeah. Well, good cool. talk. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Thanks for uh, inviting me. You're welcome. <laughs> Signing off podcasts are so hard. I know.